Good morning, Tri-Valley. This is Jacob coming to you. It's actually Monday, uh, the day before my surgery. I wasn't sure how I was going to be feeling on November 7th, this Sunday morning, when you're seeing this message. I didn't know if I would be able to be at church. I might be there right now, sitting and worshiping with you guys, or I might be at home recovering. I wasn't sure. So I wanted to go ahead and record this message ahead of time. Either way, you're going to see this as a video message as we continue on in the series, Words of Life, The Commands of Jesus. We're going to be looking at a bundle of Jesus commands this morning, and they all have to do with being a person of character and integrity and reflecting the personality and the person of Jesus Christ. So before we start this morning, I want to let you know that some of the components of this message are going to be interactive. Uh, I'm going to go through different commands of Jesus and comment on them briefly. And then with some of them, there's going to be a time of reflection afterward, where I'm going to ask you to maybe write a note of encouragement to someone or reflect and pray on your own. So I want you to be ready for that. Make sure you have something to write with. Grab a pen. There should be pens and pencils in the little bins under the seat in front of you, as well as a couple sheets of these quarter sheets of paper, cardstock, that you can use to write a note of encouragement to somebody. So just be ready for that uh, a little bit more interactive component this morning. But either way, I'm glad that we can continue on in this series as we challenge ourselves to hear the commands of Jesus and make disciples and teach them to obey everything that Jesus commanded. Um, as we begin this morning, I want to think about the process of an employer looking for somebody to hire for a job. That's something you've been hearing a lot about lately. There's a lot of jobs out there. A lot of people are out of work, but that means there are a lot of employers looking for new hires. And in order to find the ideal candidate, they have to write a job description that lists what kinds of qualifications and what kinds of qualities they're looking for. If you are looking for a job, it's fun to look, go through a list of job descriptions and see if your skill set and your particular personality type matches up with what they are looking for. And just for fun, I'm going to read you a list of commonly desired skills that employers are looking for when they're hiring people. And I want you to just think uh, for yourself. If you have this skill, just make a little mental note. Yeah, yeah, I have that skill. I could qualify for this job. Uh, and if you don't have this skill, that's okay. Don't lose any sleep over it. But these are some of the common things that employers are looking for. They might want a commanding knowledge of Microsoft Word and Excel. Does that describe you? They might need someone who can type 50 words a minute or text 50 words a minute. Maybe somebody with first aid or that CPR certified. A lot of employers are looking for someone who is fluent in JavaScript and C++. Is that you? Maybe you don't even know what that means. <laughs> what, is, what is JavaScript? What is C++? Uh, I barely know what those are. Those are computer languages that I do not speak. And if you don't, if you don't even understand what the qualification means, then, then maybe you haven't had that training and maybe you're not the person that they're looking for. A lot of times they're, they're really honest about the the requirements, the physical requirements of the job. And they're looking for somebody who can lift 15 pounds above their head. You might think, yeah, I could do that. Or ah, probably not these days. Uh, with me and my, my bum knee lately, I'm, I'm, I don't think that, <laughs> that uh, describes me. But they're looking for qualifications and skills that are already there. But even more important than these qualifications, they are looking for qualities that show that you're a team player, that you're pleasant to have in a working environment. That even if you don't have the desired experience or knowledge, that you're someone who can be trained. You can be trusted to learn these things. I think most employers would rather have a person of character with less experience 
than a difficult personality with all the experience in the world. So think about some of the qualities that employers are looking for. They want someone who's reliable, who's honest, who's adaptable, flexible, a team player, someone who's eager to learn. They value loyalty and, and a good work ethic. In short, they want to know when they interview you if you have integrity. Like I said, we're going to look at several of the commands of Jesus from the Gospels that have to do with developing character and being a person of integrity. So listen to what Jesus says. Matthew 23, starting in verse 8. Everything that they do is done for people to see. These are the Pharisees. They make their phylacteries wide and the tassels on their garments long. And they love the place of honor at banquets and the most important seats in the synagogues. They love to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and to be called rabbi by others. But you are not to be called rabbi, for you have one teacher and you are all brothers. And do not call anyone on earth father, for you have one father and he is in heaven. Nor are you to be called instructors. For you have one instructor, the Messiah. The greatest among you will be your servant. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. So the command here is be humble. And this was a tall order in the first century. It was an honor-shame culture. People are always saying, look at me, I'm special. Give me praise. Give me approval. But a follower of Jesus knows that God is the one whom we praise, and not ourselves. And we should strive to take the place of the servant and not the one who is being served. So right now, I want you to take a couple of minutes to think of a Christian that you know who is humble. And I want you to send them a quick note. Write them a, a message of encouragement, letting them know that you see Christ's humility in them. And if you're not a paper and pencil kind of person, you can feel free to text this. If you don't have their number, maybe make a note and make it a point to go and find it and send it to them later. But right now, for just a couple minutes, think of somebody you know who follows Christ and demonstrate that characteristic of humility. And just write him a little note. Another quality that Jesus commands his followers to have is that of generosity. He says in Matthew 5, 42, Give to the one who asks you, and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. And then he goes on later in Matthew and says, freely you have received, freely give. I think generosity is related to humility. It's the attitude that says, yes, here it is. I have something, but I'm going to let go of it. I'm going to give it for the sake of someone else. There's a story from the Gospels where Jesus was at the temple and he sees someone with very little money give very generously. I want you to listen to this story now from Mark chapter 12, uh, recounted for us by some uh, pretty cute kiddos. Take a look. One time there was a widow, an old lady that was poor and didn't, and her husband died. It's called a widow. So everyone was paying their tithing. And there's all these other rich men. He looked very fancy. Putting lots and lots and lots of money in. But the rich man gave a lot of money, but he didn't give all of his money. And then the widow, she has a mite. She only had that one mite. A mite is lesser than a penny. It's teeny, 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 
it's like worth negative one. But she gives it to tithing, and now she has no money. So she basically gave up her money for the church. She gave everything she had. She knew that God could help her. And Jesus felt good about that. She was proud. He was proud of her. He said that he paid, she paid more with just one mite because she gave up everything. Because that one mite was everything to her. He wants to be like the widow and give everything. Jesus was teaching us about to give all we had to him. Generosity is at the core of the gospel because the salvation that we have in Christ is given to us freely as a gift. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And there's a modern worship song you might know called Reckless Love. It says this, I couldn't earn it, I don't deserve it, and still you give yourself away. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending reckless love of God. So take a minute now to think of a Christian that you know who is generous, someone who is willing to give of themselves. And I want you to send them a quick text or jot them a quick note, letting them know that you see Christ's giving nature in them. The next command is be reliable. Jesus says this, Again, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, Do not break your oath, but fulfill to the Lord the vows you have made. But I tell you, do not swear an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot even make one hair white or black. All you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. When I was a teenager at a youth camp, there was this girl that I liked, and I was sitting and I was talking with her. This was going pretty well, but there was this other kid named Ryan, and he liked her too, and he was not happy that I was making time with uh, the girl that he was interested in. And as I was sitting and talking to her, I felt something wet hit my head from up above. I was like, whoa, what's this? Am I getting dropped on by a bird or something like that? What was that? And then seconds later, Ryan comes racing down the stairs from this upper balcony. He's like, oh, Jacob, oh, I saw the whole thing. Some kid spit on you, and then he ran away. That's what happened. I swear. I swear to you. <laughs> and I'm like, eh, it's pretty obvious, Ryan, that you were the one who spit on me from up there. And more than being upset about having been spat upon, I was more just blown away with how obvious his lie was. I was like, come on, Ryan. Like, I don't want you to spit on me anymore, but don't be such a lame liar. Sadly, this kid had a reputation for not telling the truth and not being trustworthy. Jesus says, yeah, some people will tell you something and then follow it up with, I swear it's true. But if you have a reputation for truth telling, then that won't even be necessary. How much does it add anyway to say like, oh, this is true. I swear on a stack of Bibles or I swear on my mother or whatever. Take a moment now. I want you to think of someone you know who values these words of Jesus and is a reliable, trustworthy person. The kind of person that if they say they're going to do something, they do it. And if they tell you some piece of information, you know it's reliable and it's going to be beneficial for you as well. Think about that person in your life and write them a thank you note. Say, thank you for being such an honest and trustworthy person in my life. 
you reflect Jesus Christ, who is the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus also tells his followers to be merciful. Love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High. Because he is kind to the grateful and the wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. Bob Goff calls this trying to think of the least creepy explanation. He tells this story of a time when he was speaking at a conference and this woman comes and walks in and sits right down in the front row with a giant snake over her shoulders. And he's up on stage talking. He's kind of creeped out by the whole thing. And he says, you know what I tried to do? I tried to think, what's the least creepy explanation? Hmm, what could it be? Well, maybe she doesn't even know the snake is there. <laughs> well, a merciful person is someone who gives someone else a break, who tries to think of the least creepy explanation for why they've done something, why they haven't done something, why they are the way they are. Sometimes we're quick to judge or condemn people based on the little information that we have about them. But Jesus calls us to show mercy to those who seem guilty and even to those who are guilty. When Jesus was at a party with some tax collectors and sinners, people with a bad reputation, some of the religious elite come by and they, they look down their noses at Jesus because of the company that he was keeping. And Jesus' response to them was a quote from the prophet Hosea. The Lord says, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. And he tells these Pharisees, you need to go and learn what that means. And maybe some of us need to go and learn what that means as well. So what I want you to do now is take a minute to think of someone to whom you need to show mercy. Someone for whom you need to stop judging in your heart and to whom you need to start extending merciful words and maybe a, a, a more merciful attitude. Maybe it's a creepy person who would seem a lot less creepy to you if you got to know them better, if you got to understand why they are the way they are, why they do the things they do. And I want you to take that person's name and I want you to write it down. You don't have to send them a note, but I want you to write their name down, put it someplace where you'll see it. And I want you to pray for them throughout this week and pray for yourself and your interactions with them and the heart that you have toward them. So going along with this command to be merciful are these two commands to not be a couple things. Jesus says, do not be judgy and do not be a hypocrite. Listen to what he says. Do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. And in Matthew 6, Jesus says this, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. And then later on down the chapter, when you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others that they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, 
they have received their reward in full. Here's another story from when I was a teenager. When I was in junior high, the worst insult that you could give someone was to call them a poser. Look at her shoes. Oh, man, she's such a poser. Oh, look at that guy. He wears the Nirvana shirt. He doesn't even know any of their songs. What a poser. This is such an ugly word. You have to spit when you say it. What a poser. What a poser. It's kind of like the most offensive thing that could happen in our social system in junior high was to pretend to be something that you're not. And as you can tell, as teenagers, we didn't do a very good job with the command to not be judgy. We were judging people left and right. But we agreed with him that it's not good to be a poser, a pretender, a faker, some hypocrite. The word hypocrite is actually a theater word. It's the word for an actor who puts on a mask and pretends to be something that they're not. And Jesus says, there are plenty of people out there playing pretend, but I need my followers to be genuine. Don't just put on the appearance of righteousness, but how about actually striving for true righteousness so that you don't have to pretend? When non-Christians from my generation are asked in surveys and research, what word best describes Christians? One of the number one words they use is they're a bunch of hypocrites. They're people that claim to be all about love, but they sure hate a lot of people who are different from them. They're supposed to be like Jesus, but you know, I just, I haven't really seen that. It's the reason a lot of people have dropped church or given up on following Jesus altogether. And I think Jesus' advice to the Pharisees is good for us. Don't just pretend to be righteous. You actually have to live it out. Put your money where your mouth is. You need to walk the talk. And you don't have to pretend to be something that you actually are if it's something that you're practicing. Well, and in Matthew 5, after a series of examples Jesus gives of what it means to live up to the higher standard of Christ, Jesus says, be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Be perfect. That's a tough one. This command might freak some people out. But remember, here, the word perfect doesn't mean flawless, as in like a perfect score on a test or a perfect gymnastics performance. Perfect means complete. It means whole, not overlooking anything. When a rich man came up to Jesus and asked what he must do to inherit eternal life, Jesus tells him, well, you need to keep the commands. The rich man's happy about that answer because he says, hey, guess what? I already have. I've done this since I was a kid. And Jesus tells him, if you want to be perfect, then sell your possessions. Give the money to the poor and then come and follow me. Jesus is challenging him not to just stop at the righteousness that you've already achieved, but to add new ways of honoring God to those. I've kept these commands since I was a child. Jesus says, great, what have you been up to lately? How have you grown? Where's the maturity that you should have achieved by now? Be well-rounded in how you develop these components of the character of Christ. If you're already generous, maybe add mercy to your generosity. If you're already an honest person whose yes means yes and no means no, Maybe you need to add some humility to it. Don't just stop at the stuff that you've already been able to pull off since you were a kid, but add some grown-up character traits to your life to become more and more like Jesus with each day and with each relationship and with each decision that you make. I want us to go back to the illustration about employers finding the right candidates for jobs for just a minute. Every once in a while, and you may have seen this, you'll hear about the job going not to the person who's the most qualified. And sometimes you even hear about the job going to the person who is the least qualified. And they don't have 
the desired skills. They don't have the experience. And you might think, oh, but maybe they have the qualities that the employer is looking for. But in some situations, they don't even have the qualities they were looking for. They weren't trustworthy. They weren't hardworking. And you, you start to wonder, why did this person get the job instead of everybody else? When you come to find out the only reason they were given the position, because they were related to someone in the company. Nepotism at its finest. Preferential treatment just because they were someone's nephew or someone's grandson or whatever. We hear these kinds of stories and we think, man, that is so unfair. That is ridiculous. That sh kind of thing shouldn't happen. That's favoritism. It's not cool. But guess what? That is the gospel. We were not chosen and called by God to be followers of Jesus because we were better than anyone else or more qualified than anyone else. Romans 3 says that all have sinned and all fall short of the glory of God. Romans 5, 8, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We were offered the position because we knew someone at the company. God, our Father, Christ, our brother, advocated for us. They let us in even when we were unqualified. It's a reminder that Jesus doesn't call the qualified, but he qualifies the called. The Apostle Paul points this out when he says, Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of the world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are, so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us the wisdom of God, that is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. That's the gospel. So think about this. When it comes to nepotism, there, there are two kinds of nepotism. There's the kind where uh, the kid who was grandfathered into the organization and makes everybody mad, continues to make people ticked off because of how obviously unfit they are to be part of this team. That's the one we go, oh, I hate that guy. But there's another version where the CEO's kid knows that they're going to inherit the whole chocolate factory someday. And so they start at the bottom and they're eager to learn it all. They shadow people who have been there for decades, watching, learning, asking questions, just soaking it all up. They do some work in the office. They do some work in the field. They do some work on the factory floor. They put in their time during the meetings. They're hands off when they need to be hands off and they're hands on when it's needed. They're the ones who know that they're not qualified, but they are grateful for the position and they're determined to honor their father with the work that they do. That's how I want us to think about our position in Christ. We are unqualified. We cannot be perfect in the perfect score sense. But Jesus still calls us to this higher standard. He calls us to be people who reflect his character. People who are chosen not because of what we can do, but what we will be able to do by his power and by his strength. And it starts with a complete, well-rounded understanding of Jesus' commands. Be someone who is humble. Be someone who is generous. Work on being somebody whose yes means yes and no means no. Take off the attitude that judges people, that puts people in their place, that looks for the most creepy explanation. Put off the attitude that pretends that you are something 
that you aren't. Instead, become the thing that Christ wants us to be. That's my encouragement. And that's my uh, mission <laughs> for us today as a congregation. We don't have to be perfect. Christ died for us. And he invites us in. He is our advocate. Let's pray together. Lord God, we, say, we thank you so much this morning for this gospel reminder that the story of salvation doesn't begin with us making the grade or having earned something or deserving something, but it's a realization that we can't possibly make it on our own. And so we cry out, Jesus, we want your blood to cover our sins. Lord God, we, we want you to reach down and to lift us up, to be our rescuer, to be our savior, to be our redeemer. And we're so thankful when we hear Jesus said, that work has already been done. I have taken care of things for you, and I want you to remain in me. And I want you to hear my commands, and I want you to shine my light into the world as people of integrity. So Lord, we ask you this morning that you will make us more like Jesus. Help us to develop these character traits. May your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We thank you for the call of Christ. We thank you for the person of Christ. And we pray this prayer in his name. Amen.